I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern, a, a, slant, a slanted question, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That's the problem. The media has to start living by the truth. Thank you for citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yeah. Okay. I see you taking off your microphone now. The schools really do need more resources, and that's the reason why the National Relief Act that we're talking about getting passed. We need that. The schools need more resources. Last week, the White House walked back some comments of yours about teacher vaccinations. Um, and you were saying that they were not necessary in order to open schools. The White House said you were speaking in your personal capacity. Um, how should we? Are you speaking here as the head of the CDC or in your personal capacity? And, and is, should, should, should people see a difference? I'm speaking as the head of the CDC. I believe that that's why you have me here today. So I think part of what we're seeing now is because we haven't really done the reckoning with the racial injustice and white supremacy of our past that we need to do. And so, you know, a truth commission, a lot of people will think of South Africa. We've used them in countries around the world. Sorry, Sorry about that. Yeah, this country needs to be nuked from space immediately. <laughs> you know, not the whole world, just somebody somewhere out there... You hit the thing on the Death Star, they go, and just vaporize this planet. Okay, so there is a tsunami of idiocy uh, that is uh, washed um, from from uh, coast to coast in this country. And you know what's... So, there's reason to laugh, and there's reason to be up, upset. The reason to laugh is because it took almost no time, no time, and somehow p- members of the media and real people have somehow been paying attention because the specter of Trump has people still tuning in and watching news and letting it, and having it absorb into them. And with his impeachment stuff, et cetera, uh, you've had a the reality of what's happening with the Biden administration and it's a miracle that it has permeated the firewall uh, of half the country. Well, not half the country, of a portion of half the country. 
And people are seeing, certainly the media is seeing, the media, especially the freshman media, the young bucks, they don't understand why the good guys who are now in the White House, and it's such a pleasure now that the good guys are in there, mm-hmm. for, you know, where truth matters again, and it's a great, a great burden that's lifted. They're now wondering why the new administration is lying to them, because it doesn't make any sense, because there shouldn't be any lies, because there are no scandals, because there's nothing wrong, so... Why can't we get the truth? And it's wonderful to see their little eyes open up as they learn the hard truths of life. Um, the tragic stuff is is that this administration is as cynical as possible. It never yeah, – there was a chance and people thought that there would be a chance, maybe considering that they claim to care about the pandemic. But um, it is absolutely business as usual with this administration there. This is the calcified – 60-year-old Democratic Party that Joe Biden has always been a part of. This is transactional business. Everything is a transaction. Everything is a transaction. And so they have now, the the CDC now and the the uh, immunology, whatever Fauci's uh, supposed job is, they are now just part of the communication arm of the White House. They, they've given up. That's over. You, we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, a moment of uh, honesty and clarity from um, Rochelle Walensky, who was the new CDC person, when she used the science to explain to us that it was safe to go back to schools, the teachers didn't need to be vaccinated. She was then thrown into a van and uh, duct taped <laughs> and re-educated. And those days are over. It, the, the new person we have, Rochelle Walensky, by the way, Peabody's own Rochelle Walensky, Alice. And oh, is she from Peabody? I thought she was from like Peabody? from Newton. Well, she, I, was... she it, something says Peabody, Massachusetts. Okay. She also is only uh, four years older than me. Oh. One of these things where I see somebody so super competent, I assume they're much older. But no, I've gone into, I've managed <laughs> to be such an adult child for so long now <laughs> that no, she is just, she's my contemporary. So, so uh, unfortunately, she is gone. She is now a Stepford bro- bureaucrat, and you'll hear that in a moment. Uh, but it, the sad news continues to happen, and, and this is why people talk about the, Trump's lack of discipline and mm-hmm. uh, and lack of intellectual curiosity uh, would uh, come back to bite us and. And um, and people say that it manifested it manifested itself in the last weeks or last months of his administration, culminating with the January sixth attack in the Capitol. And so now it's real people. You know, mm-hmm. there are real people hurt. There is one police officer who, according to any official documentation, was not killed by a fire extinguisher. Right, so that's a weird one because there's no, they're not releasing anything about right. how. Although that was or included in the impeachment died. proceedings, I mean, but the only citation there is is to a New York Times article, which is on named sources. But there is right the other reports show that he talked, he went back to his office after everything was quelled down. That he texted his brother, um, and then that later had a stroke. So we're not sure, but I, but we'll get back mm-hmm. to that in a moment. But so so Trump's lack of discipline, that of Trump being Trump. Ended up in a death of people. That's the what the left would say. And fine, okay. Let's let's say that is as okay a given. The lefts or the Democrats and what they've done in handling not only from the beginning, from certainly their strategy of shoving sick people into nursing nursing homes. We know that 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 has resulted in the deaths of people, 
And I mean, I think a lot of that broke after our last show, too. Well, right. And we know that uh, Cuomo was responsible for a lot of that stuff. And that is incompetence, and that is hubris and arrogance, all that stuff, and that's fine. I don't think that 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 uh, Andrew Cuomo wanted old people to die by the tens of thousands in New York. No, I think but, he's incompetent, and then he tried to cover it up. Sure, sure. But what's happening right now with the teachers' unions refusing to open the schools mm-hmm. and now using, they're now laundering their bullet points and their talking points through our health officials now. Right. It's happening. What's happening now, there are now casualties happening. There are little coffins being bought for little children around this country, and real people are dying. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the case very shortly where we're going to learn more about these kids who have died. And um, and now that uh, Donald Trump is gone, I think it's more safe to do it. And because this is a reality for people in media. People in media have kids are watching this, mm-hmm. and not everybody can escape. Not everybody can send their kid off to somewhere else, and they're seeing what's happening. Just seconds ago, New York Post, um, New York Post uh, came, uh, ran a story. Maybe it wasn't just seconds ago. Maybe it was yesterday, but <laughs> saying um, seconds ago, days ago. Yes, uh, San Francisco sues schools, citing high number of suicidal students. Uh, UC San Francisco. Uh, UC San Francisco Benioff, Benioff Children's Hospital has seen a 66%, 66% increase in the number of suicidal children in the emergency room and a 75% increase in youth who required hospitalization for mental health services. That's just one little hospital, and that's in one area of the country. Of course, San Francisco is um, prioritizing renaming schools Schools mm-hmm. that were named after Abraham Lincoln and uh, Barbara Boxer and whatever. And yeah, and recently they had a big knockdown drag out fight in one of their school committee meetings because um, a gay man parent wanted to be on one of the parent committees. Um, and he has, you know, uh, non-white kids, this gay guy who's a dad in the San Francisco school system and they wouldn't put him on the committee because he was a white man and they wanted a more diverse candidate. So that's that's where they are. So there you go. But but the kids the kids are uh, are dying. So So that's where we are and it's no longer funny. This is a big problem. Uh, the only thing I the only hope that this that we have really for this not being politicized to death is that there are people on both sides of this who see that this is a problem. That everybody, that this is a total racket, that everybody else Mm -hmm. has returned, regardless of what's happening in the community. Community spread. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gone to Market Basket here, (laughs) uh, you know, and nobody has a community spread-o-meter that decides whether or not the Market Basket is open or closed. But the community spread... Yeah, and so do the teachers, by the way, go to the Market Basket, too. Yes. Um, And... What I mean, I really think that the only solution here is to um, hit these unions where it hurts, and that's um, in in the pocketbook because the, there are a bunch of states now that have filed legislation that uh, lets 
money go out of the schools in the form of vouchers of some kind mm-hmm. if parents leave the school system. So, you know, they'll take the per pupil spend or a percentage yeah. of the per pupil spend that's and give it to That's called backpacking or something? Is that what that's called? Uh, I haven't heard that particular word term that, for it. but they, It's called like backpacking or something. It means, say, like, it means the that money, the money, like a backpack, goes with the child. Yeah, the money follows the student, right? So there's a bunch of states now that have started to file legislation to do this, including New Hampshire, which we're two towns away from, which is really <laughs> raising my eyebrows. I'm like ready to move two towns over to be across the New Hampshire line, if they're going to give me money to buy homeschooling curriculum materials, I mean, sure, why not? It's, it is nuts that all the communities in America are continuing to pay for schools that aren't going. You know, it's it's wild. I mean, and it's it's interesting to me because, you know, our friends on the left are uh, always happy to compare us to um European countries in terms of, you know, our healthcare system or this or that. No other first world country in the world is doing what we're doing to our kids right now. Mm-hmm. There there is nowhere there France and England and all and the you know, all the Nordic countries and everybody else, they've been hit by COVID hard too. They have a bad COVID problem too. They're not New Zealand where there's zero cases, right? It's and they've been sending their kids to school. Their schools are the last thing that they shut down in those countries. On a national level, they make the decision. I mean, I know we can't do that in America for a variety of reasons. But but it what we're doing right now makes no sense and is completely unsupported by science and is completely out of step with the rest of the civilized world. It's absolutely outrageous. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that, like, kids haven't been through worse in human history. Like, but... You know, I know that there are wars and famines and all kinds of things happen. Yes, but but this is self-inflicted. Right. This is self-inflicted. And we're continuing to pay for the schools like they're there. You know, yes. this goes in the category of like yes. pissing on the leg and telling me it's raining. Like, yes. why, and all the, why the, are we the still paying for schools? The, why is everyone yes. still employed? And the, the tens of billions or hundreds, whatever it is, of billions that are going to the schools in this, in the Biden bill. Most of that money is going to uh, uh, defunct pensions and -hmm. to prevent layoffs. More than half the money, it's not going to to bleach, to bleach the schools. Because also, that's not something that needs to happen anymore. It's going to to, uh, clean up the union's bad behavior with these huge pensions, hiring new people because now your kids need new counselors. Right. Or hiring, in some cases, the teachers are remote. So they're from home, remote teaching to a classroom full of students who are being watched by other aides that aren't teachers. Right. So they're still all in the classroom Who are not together. being promised vaccinations <laughs> because they're not so, the same accreditation. Yeah. I mean, so that's, it's, there's a mishmash of solutions mm-hmm. happening across the country, obviously. The, the object, the priority of the union is the union. And right. if you ever thought it was your kids, even, you know, they pretend that, you know, it's our precious natural resource. They could give a flying f- about the kids. They you don't have care. To bleep that. Mark the tape. I will mark the tape. They will. They don't care. Um, the unions don't. I'm right. sure that, that, the, that the teachers are, by and large, a different story. Any of them I know are a different story and are decent right. human beings. Right. There are teachers that, you know that want to go back. There are teachers that don't feel comfortable going back, but will be willing to continue in some other form. But the idea that unions in a lot of parts of the country have completely shut down the schools now for a year, for a year. I mean, it's been 11 months since some Mm -hmm. parts of the country had open schools at all. And the CDC came out with their document on Friday, as promised, that um, 
Jen Psaki was promising us, explaining to us what the steps are and the, the safety procedures and everything. And there is, there is in that 24-page document, no stage, no indication given, no metric by which the schools will be normal again. At the lowest level of COVID, at the lowest level of COVID, it's still 100% masking, six feet distance between everyone all the time, no crowded classroom. I mean, I... It is a farce. Mandatory testing. Like, I... And if that... And and just... just, But that's also... And I don't want to get off the subject, but that's also... If that's what they're willing to do at this time of emergency, when it's dead kids that we're talking about... Right. Right now then imagine every other policy across this administration. Right. This administration, this is turning out to be worst case scenario. Right. You need to give people the option. This isn't, I mean, people need to be able to make their own decisions in life. And that's what we did. When the school sent us a document in August last year that said that schools would be normal again when there were zero cases of COVID in our entire county, we said, okay, well, then goodbye. We'll see you. Our kids will be homeschooled because that is insane. That is the behavior of insane people to say, I mean, there are flu deaths every year. There are cases of flu in our county and our schools don't close. Our schools don't make everyone wear a mask all day and only take it off to eat with no talking, all facing forward at their desks in the classroom and never socializing. I mean, come on. This is this is insane what we're doing to kids. It's yes, absolutely and, nuts. And we're going to show you how it's nuts. We're going to go through all that stuff. I just uh, want to let you know that it's not going to be all depressing. There's some hilarious mm-hmm. news happening. There's reckoning news happening, which I very much enjoy. Uh, Andrew Cuomo's ass is in a sling, which is wonderful. <laughs> Steve Schmidt of the Lincoln Project has released a manifesto, which I consider a work of art. It's wonderful. It's brilliant. The Lincoln Project is almost fully engulfed in flames. It's wonderful to see. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people we'll touch on the impeachment which also just goes to show on both parties just how cynical our politics are and go nowhere our politics are and mm-hmm. for a moment there yesterday while each side was uh was posturing somehow the dog uh caught the car for a second and there was an, an issue suddenly you know we need to have a real uh, investigation we want it damn it okay let's do it oh um <laughs> we can't have a real one it's not enough time you see We'll lose votes if we have a real one. It's it's idiocy. So let's start with the school stuff, and then it'll just get funnier from there. Mm -hmm. But uh, drink them if you got them. Okay, so you remember a couple weeks ago, Rochelle Walensky, Peabody's own Rochelle Walensky, um, in a moment of clarity and truth. Um, But I also want to be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local um, guidances to get uh, vaccination across these eligible uh, communities, I would also say that um, safe reopening of schools is not, um, that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for (laughs) safe reopening of schools. This is a person using the science and speaking freely. This person- But only in her capacity as a private citizen. Well, this is, this is, um, this is, um, you'll see, this stuff was not ap- approved and checked off uh, by her boss, Randy Weingartner, of the American Federation of Teachers. 
Um, but I also want to be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state so, um, and of course, Jen Psaki was having none of that. Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out. So Chuck Todd today had Dr. Walensky on, and he asked a question that I was thrilled uh, that he asked. All right, let's talk about the school guidelines. And there's some folks that are wondering how much politics may have gotten involved or how much the White House may have gotten involved. Because last week, the White House walked back some comments of yours about teacher vaccinations. Um, and you were saying that they were not necessary um, um, in order to open schools. The White House said you were speaking in your personal capacity. Um, how should we? Are you speaking here as the head of the CDC or in your personal capacity? And, and is, should, should, should people see a difference? I'm speaking as the head of the CDC. I believe that that's why you have me here today. Um, our guidance has now been released. It was re- released on Friday, and it specifically articulates the five key mitigation strategies that we need to keep our schools open and other layered mitigation strategies, including teacher vaccination, that are not essential to get our uh, schools open, but we do recommend. Okay, well, let's get into it then. You have said, quote, schools should be the last thing to close and the first thing to open, unquote. Should all students be back in classrooms before the end of this school year? Good morning, Jake. Thanks for having me again. Um, Really what we have said in our guidance is that the amount of classroom activity really depends on the amount of spread in the community. We know that... This is Stepford Walensky now. This is not what she was saying before. She has been reprogrammed. The amount of disease in the community is completely reflected as to what's happening in school. If there's more disease in the community, there will be more in school. And that most disease in school does not come from in-school transmission, but comes from outside, from into the community. So um, what we would advocate for is to have more kids in school as our community spread comes down. So, yes, we would advocate for having the kids in school right now because they need to. It's going to save lives. They're hurting Mm -hmm. themselves. They're cutting themselves. They're clinically depressed. We need them in in school Right. right now based on this criteria that nothing else is based on. Right. And so and that's yes, based on that criteria and the document that they put out Friday puts 99% of the kids in America are in a red zone that shouldn't be open, according to the document the CDC put out on Friday. So the union's doing us a favor (laughs) by having anything open. The CDC and and you, uh, in this interview, uh, keep recommending six feet of distance between students. Um, This is, of course, one of the barriers keeping some school closed because... Classrooms aren't big enough. Class, uh, you know, teachers are already or, already overwhelmed by the number of students in their classroom. Over the summer, uh, you suggested in a private email to the mayor of Newton, Massachusetts, that three feet of distance. Was- private email. Jesus, is there any honor anymore among Democrats? <laughs> was quote quite safe if people three are feet masked. Are safe. So, is six feet absolutely necessary, or can students be safe at closer distances? Great, great question, and thanks for asking. Over the summer, we were at much less disease, and our our guidance is a bit more flexible in terms of the distancing if you are at low rates of transmission, those those rates that we were seeing over the summer. The other thing I want to just... Translation, 
the three feet doesn't work because all schools can accommodate that. Right. This, Kids that's why you need six, because then you have schools that were built in 1954, and they mm-hmm. can't do that. So, oh, my God, look at this. We wanted right. so much to be in there teaching, but we can't do the six-foot rule. Mm-hmm. See you maybe next year, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I'd like to point out also that the what she said here also doesn't hold up because the CDC document that came out says you need masks, six feet of distance, hand washing, contact tracing, and testing at every level of spread, at zero spread, at zero cases. You still need it. So they're saying their document says that no matter how low the community spread is, six feet is still it, according to what the CDC put out. I mean, the American Federation of Teachers put out or whatever. So... In these towns, because of community spread, mm-hmm. because of six feet, senior centers can be open, uh-huh. and they're the most at risk. The least at risk are kids in fourth grade, and they can't be open. Absolutely not. No. Totally unsafe. Sports should be canceled. Everything done. No. Highlight is that a lot's changed since July. Um, we know uh, we have a lot more science. We have over 60 references. We have an administration that's in the pocket of the unions now. Mm-hmm. And so that's the most thing that's changed, if you must know. Um, accompanying our school guidance, many, if not most of those references have been uh, experiences that have happened in the fall, both here in the United States and in Europe, as well as uh, new data on variants, which we weren't talking about over the summer. So I think one of the lessons learned here is we have to be humble as to what we're learning and be willing to be flexible as we learn more. <laughs> yes, the fact that your kid is not talking anymore and is fashioned a noose in his room, <laughs> explain to him he needs to be humble, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, be flexible. As if yeah, we haven't flexible. been humble, humble and flexible so far. Not flexible if we find out that schools are safe. As in, like, if we get science that shows right. that there's no spread in schools, we would reopen the schools. Yes, we've been one way. Not, <laughs> not omni-flexible. Not flexible yes. in that direction, no. And, the, the good, and like I said, it's a, it's a small silver lining, but to know that Chuck Todd and Jake Tapper still, Tapper still have the capacity Mm-hmm. to scrutinize and, you know, uh, exercise and and include themselves in journalism is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing because they're not buying the horse bleep. I have to say I feel a little dispirited uh, after this conversation because I had high hopes that schools would be able to resume in-person learning uh, because so many scientists and health officials, uh, including you and Dr. Fauci and others, had been talking about the science supports opening the schools as much as possible. I know that a lot of teachers are very concerned, and I know that teachers' unions uh, have been pushing back on this, but it sounds to me like you're asking for 100% mask compliance and a number of measures that we're never going to be able to achieve, uh, and that makes me feel like, boy, I don't know if the schools are ever going to open until everybody's vaccinated. And he's like, you know, I, did, I yelled then. at Trump for seven months. We yelled at Republicans for seven months. We, we browbeat people to wear masks. We did everything for you people mm-hmm. on and the you, promise. Yeah, that you the, promised us. Yes. A hundred days, school's <laughs> open. Good. 
Our, uh, there's literature out that suggests that over 90% of people, when they're masked, you can have safe opening of schools. What I will say is this is directly related to how much disease is in the community. There's literature out there that says that, but mostly there's Randy Reingardner's uh, literature in the form of emails and those dictates, and that's what we're going by right now because the teachers' union bought the presidency for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and he knows the, how to horse trade. And that's the deal. The deal is that he owes them. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's your kids. Screw it. doesn't matter. You know, all you should do, and the younger reporters will do this, just pay attention to Joe Biden um, shuffling around the White House lawn in his jeans and in Ray-Ban sunglasses and Jill around the big hearts in the White House lawn. Just focus on that. That's what you should focus mm-hmm. on. That's what he wants you to focus on. But it's not really working. Um, we have more flexibility in opening schools as our disease rates come down. So I would say this is everybody's responsibility to do their part in the community to get disease rates down so we can get our schools opened. Oh, good. We're back to it's your fault the schools aren't yep. open because you didn't wear a mask enough. Never mind. Mask rates are super high everywhere. Everyone wears a mask. When you go out to the store, how many people are not wearing a mask in the store? Right. No, no absolutely. Absolutely, and it's the, the it's new so the new uh, teachers union, the Federation of Teachers Union spokesman Anthony Fauci wants you to know what you can do to open those schools. Do school districts have the resources they need to reopen safely? Well, George, the second part of of your question is really a good one. I think that the schools really do need more resources, and that's the reason why the National Relief Act that we're talking about getting passed. We need that. The schools need more resources. Fauci, you know, working the, the circuit. Remember, I like this that guy, he says that that's a good question. Like, yes. Like, oh, good. You read our press release that we sent you over in advance to let you know what I want to talk about today. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that's what he does now. This, uh, this completely respected national treasure, Anthony Fauci, is now simply another flack. But using his credentials... Mm-hmm. to uh, add import to his opinion that the legislation, the portfolio legislation of the president must be passed no matter what. Is he some kind of legal expert, or like a legislative yes. expert, some yes, kind of policy maker? He's, he's all of those now. <sighs> he's all of those um, now. You know, you heard uh, that debate at the end of our roundtable right now about reopening schools, and I wonder if you can shed some light on that. The the, the new CDC guidelines don't require that teachers get vaccinated before reopening. What do you say to teachers who are concerned about going back into the classroom without being vaccinated? You know, there's a lot of layering to the to the mitigations, George. And I think the the point to make, it's totally understandable, you know, teachers concern. I mean, we appreciate that. The issue is that there are a lot of things that can be done and they are really delineated pretty clearly in this 24-page document that you referred to. If they're delineated delineated pretty clearly, can you let us know? Right. If it's that easy, just let us know what... Right. The problem is we're already doing all the things that are delineated in the document. You're not taking into account the layering. still open everywhere. This is the thing, and this is what Jake Tamper was going back and forth with Walensky about, too, is she said, like, well, we have problems with mask compliance. Not everybody masks. And he says, so if everybody masks, the schools can reopen? And she's like, well, the thing is, the masks, it's like all a layered solution. Like, so she won't even say. And even with the teacher vaccinations, it's like... 
you want to ask them. So if the teachers all got vaccines, then the schools will reopen. And they're like, well, no, see, it's layered. It's just like you can't get a promise from them that there's anything we can do to get the schools open again. Right. And I want somebody. None, so I know the reporters were pretty good and did press them. But the question I wanted to hear them ask and hear those people answer was, so if this bill passes, then schools across America will have no reason to be closed anymore. Is that correct? Right. Because what they're going to do is the bill is going to pass and there are still going to be a lot of schools that aren't open. Of course, because of layering, <laughs> because you're not understanding that, that layering, community spread so, is one of the But I would really things. like to get these people on the record. And in new strains, community mm-hmm. spread, layering, oh, yeah, new, new strains. strains. I forgot. In yeah. the roundtable with the guidelines that are coming out, that would make the risk less. And this is the first time that it's been put down in a document based on scientific observations and data over the last several months to a year, both in the United States and elsewhere. Part of that is to indicate and to suggest strongly that a preference be given to teachers to get vaccinated. So vaccinating teachers are part of it, but it's not a sine qua non. It's not something that you can't open a school. What about quinine? Is any it's of this- without which, no. It means like, so it's not a necessary condition. It must be something smart people say. It's people who get paid a lot more than me. Get, <laughs> like $400,000. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine this guy saying all of this, nothing? <sighs> All of this, nothing. This reminds me of, of it actually literally reminds me of hospital bureaucracies. Remember, we had a little friend who went to the hospital a couple summers ago, and uh, our uh, one of our one of the kids we went with, our we were with our neighbor, our mm-hmm. friends of ours went up with their kids, whatever. Yeah. And our son managed to get his fishing hook into the nose and lip of our my his little friend, five year old mm-hmm. kid, and we went to the hospital with them so they could get the fishing hook out, and. They were there for about six hours before any fishing hook out happened. Insurance, this, that, question, this, that, test, mm-hmm. questions, question, question, paperwork, they paperwork, a paperwork, lot paperwork. about how the a best lot, way to get exactly. it out was. Meanwhile, they- there's a kid panicking because he's had been impaled by a fish hook. <sighs> and now it's ours, and the bureaucrats are still asking freaking questions. All the all the know-it-alls, like Fauci, are saying uh, in 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 quinine, and tell, you know they're so <laughs> so goddamn smart that they do everything but the thing that they should be doing. You know, shuffling around and shuffling around and joking in the hallways with the nurses and this and that. Mm-hmm. Fix a goddamn hook, you incompetent morons! God, I hate these people. I hate healthcare know-it-alls. I hate them and all the, the teachers end. are vaccinated that would be optimal if you could do that but practically speaking when you balance the benefit of getting the children back to school with the fact that the risks are being mitigated if you follow the recommendations and these new guidelines from the cdc hopefully i think that will alleviate the concerns on both sides what the christ did he say what did he say other than going in concentric circles again and again and again, and I just all of, why don't you just instead of listening to Fauci, just look through a kaleidoscope for about ten minutes straight, because it's the same thing. It's just yeah. stream of consciousness. This word here, layering, you know, mm-hmm. in 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 soche quinine and uh, whatever else there <laughs> is that he, that he's going to say. It's all there's nothing to it. This guy, you could tell, it doesn't take much. My friend Joe Leone, who you know. Mm-hmm. He's a streetwise guy from East Boston, and he doesn't talk to grifters or um, or uh, con men, etc., because he says they're full of bleep. And he says, "Get the hell out of my face! Get out of here!" Because he can tell in a second. He would size up 
Fauci in a second and say, get out of here. I'm not talking to you. You're a bleep talker. You're full of it. And that's what he is. And well, now and now, unfortunately, so is Peabody's own um, Rochelle Walensky. And it's too bad because she doesn't want to be. She said the truth once and they turned her into a Stepford bureaucrat. And that is what she is. But remember, just a few weeks ago, you got the truth based on the science. Um, but I also want to be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local um, guidances to get uh, vaccination across these eligible uh, communities. I would also say that um, safe reopening of schools is not um, that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. Um, but I also want to be clear that there is. So there you go. But that fire was put out quickly by Jen Psaki, the most honest press secretary we've ever had. Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out. In her personal capacity, yes. Ignore what she said. That was just Rochelle chatting. That wasn't Dr. Walensky that time. Oh, my God. This is a dangerous time to be alive. Were these people (sighs) running everything? This is this is crazy. And I'll tell you, you don't have to have loved Trump, but he hated these Washington bureaucrats. He hated them. He had no time for Fauci. And I hate to tell you, you know, uh, guys and antlers storming the Capitol and a handful of dead bodies is no good. But there's something to be said for somebody like my friend Joe Leone and like Donald Trump, who know a bleep talker when they see one. Mm -hmm. Whether that bleep talker is, you know, dressed in rags in some street corner or dressed in a uh, a, a white uh, doctor's gown up in front of a microphone. They know bleep talkers. Right. I mean, I just it's just so fascinating because um, I don't know. I'm not very street smart, but um, but. It, like, so I kind of, like, trusted Fauci at the beginning and was, like, well, until it's, like, I had an open mind with everything. But he's literally reversed himself on every major issue of the entire pandemic. There's been absolutely zero. And I know science changes, new data comes out, blah, right? blah, blah. You're but, right. like, there's, I mean, he confidently told us not to wear masks in March. And now he confidently tells I us heard, to wear I heard over two. the weekend I heard and a then, podcast with some doctors defending him saying we all thought that about masks as well no 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 he bragged about misleading us right. as a strategy <laughs> exactly. and he's done it several times he bragged about misleading us about how many people needed to be vaccinated to get to herd immunity mm-hmm. too oh the people weren't ready to hear that he oh, talked about the okay. importance of the riots in the streets in this year of the reckoning where we mm-hmm. were all 1619 projecting suddenly oh what a talk about a con it's one yeah, freaking con it's, and actually so I want to talk about this because, um, so our friend emailed us back again. Oh, okay. With an updated version. So I want to read that because these things that Fauci, like switching on stuff all the time, and this needs to be open and that needs to be, this has a real impact on people. So this person wrote to us last week and we didn't end up being able to read it because he wanted to make it more, um, more anonymous because you'll see why, but it actually affects his life. Um, So uh, these are his experiences in the pandemic. He says, I have two daughters, one in high school, one in middle school. And the first, 
Uh, and first, I have to say I'm really impressed with how our public schools handled this school year. The end of the 2019-2020 school year was a disaster, but this year has been much better. The remote classes have been well run. The communication from the schools has been excellent. Academically, I'm surprisingly not as anxious to get them back to school as I have been, and I was as critical as anyone leading up to the school year. My reason for writing this is the mental health effects on kids. There are plenty of aspects of mental health that have been discussed, but one thing that isn't mentioned is the effect on kids who split time between houses with divorced parents, which is our situation. It adds a whole other set of problems, especially if the parents don't get along very well. We finalized our divorce not long before the pandemic started. We obviously didn't consider a pandemic in the divorce and custody agreements, so it created a whole set of circumstances that weren't covered and created a lot of tension. At the very beginning, Fauci's flip-flopping over masks caused issues. Early on, my ex was emailing me telling me to make the kids wear masks, and at that point, I was still believing Fauci and told her the masks didn't help. (laughs) He literally started an argument between us, only later to say it was basically a lie. His inconsistent guidance aren't just confusing soundbites. He's causing real issues for real people. We canceled most of our typical holiday and vacation plans with family and friends from out of state because of the quarantine rules. Not because I care about Baker's orders, but in fear of being dragged into court by my ex over it. Hmm. A much bigger issue, and I assume most custody agreements are similar, is that it defines the child transfer process on school days and non-school days. In our agreement, on school days when the kids are also transferring from one house to the other, one parent would drop them off in the morning and the other would pick them up in the afternoon. Very simple. On non-school days, one parent has to travel to the other to get the kids. We had no reason to plan for remote school, so that's not covered. Should a Hmm. remote school day be a school day because the kids are doing schoolwork, or is it a non-school day because they aren't at the school? That may seem like semantics, but it can really complicate things because non-school days are typically also non-work days for the adults, like holidays, vacation weeks. Now we have regularly occurring remote school days that are also work days. Calling these non-school days which is what my ex wanted, means I have to drop them off to her in the middle of my workday, sometimes multiple times per week, and we now live 45 minutes apart. I wanted to have remote school be a school day so she would pick them up and my job wouldn't be affected. We certainly don't agree on much at all, and things are very contentious at times, but that is beside the point because it did affect both of our jobs, and this situation could have legitimate impact even on co-parents that get along great. It was a big gray area loophole that exposes both of us to potential contempt charges for violating a court order, Mm. and that is hardly just semantic. We had to involve lawyers and have remote court hearings to work it out. You don't need to tell me to, you don't need me to tell you lawyers aren't cheap. So far we've each spent at least 5k just adjusting the orders due to COVID. Fortunately, I have a job that allows work from home so we haven't been financially affected by the pandemic, but we're not rich and still recovering from the cost of the initial divorce. There are a lot of people who are far worse off right now, but this extra cost can definitely you, can you affected read a little bit slower? us. You go sorry. you're cruising through sorry. here. Sorry. Sorry. Can you go back to um um, dropping off school. Dropping yeah. Off. So, um, so basically, like, if you're doing a transfer on a school day, normally what would happen is parent one drops the kids off at school and the other parent picks them up at the end of the school day. But now the school day is at home. So that changes. And they've signed a contract there right, under law. Yeah. Under law. So he's being required now to drive 45 minutes to his ex's house to drop them off for the school day, even though it's he, it's in the middle of his job. Um, okay. Um, You can can keep going from school day. Okay. 
Um, now we have regularly occurring remote school days that are also work days. Calling these non-school days, which is what my ex wanted, means I have to drop them off to her in the middle of my work day, sometimes multiple times per week, and we now live about 45 minutes apart. I wanted to have remote school be a school day, so she would pick them up and my job wouldn't be affected. We certainly don't agree on much at all, and things are very contentious at times, but that is beside the point, because it did affect both of our jobs, and this situation could have a legitimate impact, even on co-parents that get along great. It was a big gray area loophole that exposes both of us to potential contempt charges for violating a court order, and that is hardly just semantics. Jesus, that's great to have that hanging over your head. We had to involve lawyers and have remote remote court hearings to work it out. You don't need me to tell you that lawyers aren't cheap. (laughs) So far, we've each spent at least 5K adjusting the orders due to COVID. Jesus. Fortunately... I have a job that allows work from home, so we haven't been financially affected by the pandemic, but we're not rich and still recovering from the cost of the initial divorce. There are a lot of people who are far worse off right now, but this extra cost has definitely affected us. Even with a work-from-home job with some flexibility, taking time off in the middle of the day, sometimes multiple times per week to drive an hour and a half round trip, plus time to get the kids sorted, was an issue that needed to be addressed formally and legally. Mm. My ex lives with her family now, and my oldest daughter has a very hard time being over there. I don't want to get into specifics. Let's just say that she has very valid issues, not just that her friends aren't there or she misses the dog. Before the schools closed, she would at least get out of there during the day and sometimes for after-school activities. And even then, she was talking about having difficulty there and asking if she could spend more time at my house. I had to tell her no because we need to follow the court orders. Being there all day for remote school has made things even harder for her. When hybrid learning started, she wanted to do remote school from my house and go to school on the other days. Her mom wanted her to do remote school from there so they don't have to drive her to the school. We needed lawyers to help settle this, too, and ended up compromising on allowing her to do remote school from there with part of that agreeing on transportation for after-school activities. She missed her fall sports because of the transportation issue, and winter activity was flat-out canceled, so I wanted to do whatever possible to work things out for the spring. In December, we found out she had been cutting herself with razor blades in the shower. This was as shocking and heartbreaking as you can imagine. She was with her mom when I found out and we had a good talk when she got back to my house. She said it's because she can't take living there anymore. She has been seeing a therapist for anxiety since the divorce started and after this she told her therapist she wants to live at my house full time. The therapist approached the ex about possibly spending one extra day per week at my house, even just temporarily, but it didn't go anywhere. It really sucks to feel helpless like this. I'm either letting my daughter down or we go back to court, which may not accomplish anything. Side note, people who claim to be concerned with systemic discrimination should look into how fathers are treated in family court. As hard as all this sounds, I need to say again that there are many people in worse situations. I'm fortunate enough to have a job that allows me to work from home. Remote learning is going relatively well. And my daughter was already in therapy, yet she's still having these issues. We were at least able to address her cutting right away. I can't imagine having to start that from scratch in the middle of everything else going on or being out of work without insurance. And as much as it has sucked to have to go back to court to settle these things, it would have been a million times harder had the pandemics and shutdowns happened just as we were separating and starting the legal and custody issues it would have been almost unbearable there are people going through that right now <sighs> so that's um his remarkable story i mean incredible i can't imagine the nightmare the stress that this guy must be feeling that this, right. that this and i and if and he, i think he is a listener so so man i don't know i i can't imagine going through that and in, in being not being able to do anything 
Right. And then being jerked around by bureaucrats who don't have these problems. Mm-hmm. They don't have, there is no ramification for Fauci for ratcheting back rules or throwing this regulation yeah. in and and adopting Randy Weingarten's, uh, you know, f- bullet points. Mm-hmm. There is not, he stays, all the, the ramifications for him is that he gets to be employed in a cushy job for almost a half a million dollars a year in Washington, D.C. and treated like right. royalty around the world. That's what he gets compared to what you get. Right. And there is no understanding in these rules or like Baker's orders, for example, there's no, you know, get out of jail free card. There's no pass because your situation's complicated or whatever. It just is what it is. And you just have to deal with it. And in the meantime, like you're saying, you're exposed to legal risks that you're going to be held in contempt of court. You're exposed to the financial costs of dealing with it legally. You're exposed to the, the psychological tension of all this going on. I mean... There, there's zero understanding from the bureaucrats of the ripple effect every pronouncement they make has on people. I mean, it just the, these things are real. If you go on TV and you're the highest paid person in the entire government to be an expert in diseases and you go on TV and tell people masks don't matter, that affects people really truly. I mean, you and I saw this happen, too. We knew someone who worked somewhere and and was immune compromised and asked that people wear masks and HR shot back, nope, no masks in our office, blah, blah, blah. That's not, they don't work. They're not good. They're counterproductive. I mean, like how many people are there like that in America that got, that were put at risk, exposed to this because, because people went out and made real decisions and said this stuff and lied so there wouldn't be a shortage of masks with doctors. You know, it just, it just goes to show they don't trust the American people at all with any of the information. And, and, you know, I think they're worried, like in the case of the schools, for example, that if they tell the truth about when the schools are going to go back, which is essentially as far as the teachers unions are concerned, never, uh, that that parents will up and leave, which is why they keep stringing everybody along and stringing everybody and stringing everybody along over and over. Like, you know, I know I have seen parents talking in, in other parts of the country on Twitter about how they wouldn't have put their kids back in school this year if they had known that the school would never actually have gone back because they kept talking about it like they were going to transition back into normalcy any time now, and it just keeps on never happening. It's it's so discouraging. And meanwhile, people's people's lives are happen, happening, you know? People's real lives are going on. Hands out of your pants. In the, in the meantime, people's real lives are happening. People's lives are going on. Your kids are a year older now. They've already been through this. I mean, there are kids... That, you know, our kid's almost three in another half or three quarters of a year. So he's going to have spent as much time under COVID land universe rules as under real reality. It's just, I mean, this is real time that's passing in real people's lives. You have to trust them enough to give them the information to make decisions about what to do. Don't tell people not to visit their 90-year-old mom who's about to die anyway of something because you could give her COVID. Like, tell them what the risks are and let them decide if it's worth it if they want to see their mom one last time. You know, like, don't, you have to trust people. And also because we don't know, like we've said, the, this, this discovery of COVID and the coronavirus stuff is evolving or changing as we discover more. For some reason, we didn't. We this is the, or maybe it's all viruses. We just don't know anything about it at all ever, and we're surprised. You know, fifteen days to flatten the curve and all that stuff. So uh, none of the stuff was forecast, but fine. So we know we don't know. We have uh, we have we don't have a good degree of certainty 
about right. the coronavirus, we have a degree of certainty about what happens when you isolate kids, and we know for a fact that's bad. But still, the 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 mm-hmm. COVID rules get um, get you know um, priority because the teachers unions make the rules. Right, and it's ridiculous. And this money, this taxpayer mm-hmm. money that's going out, once again, is going to going to make them good um, over all the money they've blown with pensions, etc. There, we're going to clean out their books for them and give them a, essentially a uh, a huge new. We're, we're essentially paying off their credit card, so they get a they get zero balanced out due to you because they've shaken down this administration. So there you go. When that's what's happening, it's just a shakedown. It's extortion from these rats, and we should never forgive them. Never forgive them for what they're doing. Well, right. I mean, on the bright side, the vaccine looks more and more to be very, very effective, and and have relatively few side effects. I mean, I know that doesn't mitigate if you're one of the very, very few people that has a severe allergic reaction and dies. That's terrible. I'm not trying to minimize that, but these events are so rare there are so few serious side effects that we're seeing crop up and and the the effectiveness seems to be very very good israel has a half a million people vaccinated and they're showing that it's 93% effective in that population that you know that they're only getting the vaccinated population is only getting 7% of the number of covid cases as the unvaccinated population and more than that they're seeing an even bigger reduction in hospitalizations and zero deaths not one person out of the half a million people who've gotten the vaccine in Israel has now died of COVID. So that's, I mean, that's incredible. That's, that's really good. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. I'm hanging on to this mm-hmm. in the face of all this insane bureaucracy and nonsense coming out of the government right now. I'm, I'm holding on to this hope that we're going to get enough people vaccinated and this disease really is going to go down quite a bit and we're going to see it happen and there's not going to be any excuse anymore because once nobody's dying of the thing, then um, then there's not going to be any excuse to not uh, go back to normal right. and treat life normally. And as in 2010, mm-hmm. um, you had the Tea Party Revolution that won right. houses, won seats in Congress and the Senate and all through state houses through the country, if this next election is just a referendum on that one issue, mm-hmm. that one issue, even if there's Democrats running on that one issue, right. um, to change the structure and the influence of the teachers' union, or how, how about just shatter the influence, mm-hmm. um, then that is good. Yeah, because these parents flocked to Biden. I mean, the suburbs shifted hugely away from Trump and towards the Democratic Party compared to 2016. And... These are the people who are affected by this, right? And 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 these people shifted to Biden in part, I believe, because of this promise that I'm going to be able to get your life back to normal. So the fact that the standard is now we're going to keep your kids in weird Kafka mask, plexiglass, weird rule hell for the foreseeable future until the teachers unions decide to let us let your kid go back to school. I mean, that this is this is not a winning strategy for them. Let's hope not. Now, one of the culpable institutions of this whole way, of course, has been the media. Mm-hmm. They're the people who, because somehow it could go to um, diminishing the standing of Donald Trump, they adopted a, a fealty 
to whoever seemed to be counter to Trump or the culture of Trump, um, what they did is leave the American people without uh, truth tellers and a fifth column to uh, really mm -hmm. vet and report on important events. So the media was so happy to throw in with whoever seemed to be anti-Trump or whatever. And that's one of the reasons Fauci is still canonized, because he seemed to be not like Trump. Mm -hmm. And Fauci good, Trump bad, because there's a contrast. Right. And so everything, anything that can be used to beat up Trump is used. So, which of course was what made Andrew Cuomo famous, because he was uh, he, he had a different manner than Trump. In the first week of the Cuomo show, I thought it was good as well. Mm -hmm. I tweeted about it. I thought, oh, well, this guy's pretty good. Yeah. Didn't take very I long mean, he until, was good on TV. Didn't take very long until you realized that the, he is a thug and an incompetent. And, but the media, because Trump was so terrible, they immediately canonized him. They made him St. Cuomo. And they couldn't... I mean, I, I, the way they... Uh, the way they embraced him in the tongue bath they gave him during this pandemic, based on nothing more than their feelings being hurt because the guy in the White House was mean, it was disgusting, disgraceful. David, we're sitting by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day, everything Trump isn't, honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality, the actual one, than the president of the United States. Governor this is a smart ass on MSNBC. Yeah, I get to dunk on Trump and act as if, you know, like some kind of pseudo-intellectual uh, man boy. Here and yeah, because we're the smartest ones on the cable stations. And there you go. Well, there you go. And Trump is stupid. So, and they never bothered taking a look. They never bothered taking a look at what Cuomo was doing, even though the, the information was already out there. Right. We already knew. This was even before he won the Emmy and wrote the book on how to beat COVID single handedly and sold posters laughing at Florida. Ha 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 ha. Now, the kind of guy who would laugh at Florida, who keeps right. score at, um, about deaths, seems to me that might be the kind of guy who might lie about deaths. Right. You know, during a pandemic that thinks, that prioritizes the scoreboard mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, mano-a-mano uh, -mano, uh, contests over actual lives. Doesn't right. give a damn. Fix the goddamn books, he says, you know, so DeSantis doesn't beat mm -hmm. me. And that's what Cuomo did. Sorry about all the blaspheming today. Yeah, yeah. But I'll cut the F word. I'll stop the blaspheming tomorrow. Um, you know, and that was that was it. And, and so that's what they did. And so Cuomo cooked the books, mm -hmm. and it was a total farce. And, and not only did he cook the books, but his aide got caught by the New York Post. Uh, they obtained a recording of her telling the Democratic lawmakers in the state that they did it because they were afraid of being prosecuted. They hid the nursing home deaths because they were afraid that Trump's DOJ would come after them for killing old people with their stupid order that put all the COVID-positive people back into the nursing homes to make room in the hospital. Right, which doesn't is not an okay thing to say. Right, yeah. Yeah, I had to kill the witnesses because we were afraid they'd testify against us. Yeah. Well, that's valid. But uh -huh. you're also an immoral, unethical right. person who needs to be incarcerated. And now. then she apologized to the lawmakers if 
them holding back the information made them look bad. So I'm sorry we put you in that position with the Republicans because, um, you know, we realized that was bad. I'm really sorry about that. But we just had to do it because otherwise we were afraid we might get in trouble for killing people. <laughs> but the national media could care less. They were Cuomo-sexuals. Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that... If I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would sending soldiers off to war. This has Jesus. been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. Stealthy. He's providing hope, but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become in some ways the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. Hold on, there's Stelter now. Stelter ends this thing beautifully. This is perfect. This is perfect. This guy probably makes a half a million dollars a year. This is where his tiny brain is. Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. There you go. No one's ever thought of that before. Wow. Can you imagine that? Just idolizing somebody that quickly. Oh, my God. He's the new father figure. No, not Joe Biden's the new father figure. He's perfect, too. These sickos. It's too bad sickos are attracted to Klieg lights and makeup artists and uh, cameras. Holy God. All right. Palette cleanse, Alice. <laughs> you don't have a, do you have a do you have a Bud Light seltzer over there? Um, I had something in my burn barrel mug, but I but I'm I'm out, but that's okay. Um, so but what I wanted to tell you is um, so they're they're not the o- Cuomo's not the only person who uh the media decided to idolize because they weren't Trump, um, who didn't deserve it. It turns out that the media um. Also propped up and all the resistance people propped up because the media didn't tell the truth about them. Uh, the Lincoln Project, which, uh, you know, as I think people know, is, was a group that put out just sick burns on Twitter about Trump all the time. And supposedly they turned the tide of the election because they were like anti-Trump. These Republican. are all vile, mostly all balding it's, guys who were ex-consultants of mediocre. Right. Um, um, right. They uh, all we, wanted to be in the Trump campaign exactly. and then they didn't get hired. So they decided and to and instead Trump destroyed their other campaigns when they were like, I think uh, Rick Wilson was dealing with Rubio at one point. And mm-hmm. and Trump destroyed all of their candidates, so they were all salty, and they were. So they decided that you know what, let's have a moment of utter change of conscience. So together, guys, mm-hmm. create the Lincoln Project and say, even though we're Republicans, we're going country over party. Yeah, and we're going to show we're you gonna how good we're going to stand on principle, even though we don't agree with the Democrats. We're going to fight to get Trump out of office because he's a dangerous fascist who's really right. mean. And you'll and- have us on TV because we're—I mean, well, let's go to the Republican, Rick Wilson. What's your feeling about Trump? Wow, finally, an honest Republican who doesn't hasn't drank mm-hmm. the Kool Aid and doesn't care about Jesus Cheeto. Um, and, and, and of course, and, and they're courting Democrats to, you know, donate to us. We have the secret sauce on how to destroy our own. So donate to us because we're some of the good ones. We're Republicans. You can tell your friends that you're in the new cool in crowd that I donated to the Lincoln Project because right. those are even Republicans know that he's the devil. So I gave them a few bucks. So these vile guys did it. And the huge shakedown as we got closer mm-hmm. to the election resulted in about $90 million 
being uh, fundraised by these dirtbags. Mm-hmm. The majority of which was not spent on advertising, but which they paid then to consulting companies that were run by them where they were the only employee. So like Steve Schmidt is like SES Strategies. Mm-hmm. That's his consulting company. But it's just when the Lincoln Project pays SES Consulting, they're really just paying Steve Schmidt because Steve Schmidt's the only person there. So they all did really well through this. Steve Schmidt just bought himself a several million dollar house out in Utah that's beautiful and overlooks the mountains and is amazing and gorgeous and whatever, uh, where he could do all his Zoom calls into cable news stations during all this. And um, so th- so they've all done really well. And um, He wants to watch a movie. He wants knows. to watch a movie. I know. I know. Um, so th- they've all done really well during all this, but it turns out that, um, that uh, some of them are not great people. So... Uh, Aside from it just being a grift that just enriches them and they put out a few Twitter ads or Facebook ads or whatever and they most analysis says they didn't really impact the election either way. Um, they managed to suck in a bunch of money from Democrats. Uh, but it turns out some of them also are not great people, as you would imagine from somebody who tries to go work for the Trump campaign and when they get rejected, they claim to be some super principled Republican who's against Trump. Um, they're uh, scummy. And one of them in particular, John Weaver, who uh, who there have been rumors about being scummy around young boys for years, uh, it turns out was using his position at the Lincoln Project to be scummy to young boys, trying to groom them on, all over social media. Oh, yes, or so young men both inside the company and outside the company. Mm-hmm. And so they knew in June, all right. of these guys knew that this guy Weaver is using his position now to bring uh, new fresh prey into his mm-hmm. uh, inner, into his lair, right? And so, in June, they have the opportunity to do the right thing and stop the victimizing, if they'd like to stop the uh, the uh, molestation factory or whatever it is. They yeah. have the the opportunity to. But what's happening just a couple of months after June, Alice? Uh, the election, I, I would say. And right. You don't want to stop the flow of money into your project, which that could put at risk. If it turns out they are enabling a sexual predator, that could be a problem for the flow of cash into your organization. Right, because people don't want to give thousands and millions of dollars to a sexual predator. Right. Shockingly. But Steve Schmidt and Rick Wilson, all those dirtbags, they see the gold rush is only a couple of months away. So mm-hmm. what do they do with that information? Uh, absolutely nothing. So they, uh, and so they just went on as normal. They were still grift. They've still been grifting after the election Mm -hmm. for the Georgia election. They have other people they want to oppose. They've been threatening all kinds of Republicans on Twitter that they're not standing up for whatever the Lincoln Project claims to believe in. I don't know. But anyway, so they, they've been doing this. They're still trying to grift. Uh, but finally, this came out. First, it was in Axios, and then it was in the New York Times that this guy was out there. The New York Times saw the emails that confirmed they knew about it and had calls about it and were Schmidt talking about it. runs on TV. Desperate. He's been desperate since the election anyway. He runs mm-hmm. on TV and says, no, I didn't know until a couple months ago. I, I absolutely. Know. I just read about it in the papers like the rest of you. I had no idea. He's gone now. The guy had gone on medical leave shortly after the they found out do. that, that uh, he was bothering uh, teenage boys. And um, and so all this is going on. So the big New York Times expose comes out that says, of course, they all knew. We've seen the emails and we we know about them. We've had to confirm by like four different sources that this was all out there and these guys knew. <sighs> so Steve Schmidt 
uh, the, he's the highest profile Lincoln Project guy, I would say, uh, besides Rick Wilson. But he's the highest profile one that's stepping down. He well, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. We're not there yet. Okay. Jennifer Benson. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, we're not there Who yet. ran the New Hampshire GOP at one point, and then became a never Trumper, and joined the Lincoln Project, a high-profile woman. Jennifer Benson then had a falling out with the Lincoln Project. Apparently, she thought they were Jennifer jerks. Horn. Jennifer, I'm sorry. Jennifer Benson is a... It's not Jennifer Benson. She is a... Republican who works in Massachusetts in near Lowell. Uh, Jennifer Horn Jennifer is a Horn, Horn, New Hampshire Republican. Who was New Hampshire GOP. Jennifer right. Horn, sorry. Um, yeah, so she um, she had been reached out to by uh, the 19th, which was this, we've talked about it before. They've gone after the Lincoln Project before, actually, the 19th, but they're a... It's this hit squad that's, that the it's under the umbrella of the Washington Post. Kind of, yeah. They're working out of the Washington Post newsroom, but they're sort of independent, and they're like yes. about women and gender and politics, the intersection of gender and political, right. whatever. They're there anyway. to, to put the cross So they're, they're this new newspaper thing, but they're, they're lefties. They're very, they're very well respected. They have like all kinds of important people on their board and everything and um and so they're respected so they reach out to jennifer horn to talk to her they're in her twitter dms asking her questions about her time at the lincoln project you know and she's trying to get the release with her lawyers from her nda and whatever so she can talk to them um and she's like chatting with them about this stuff lo and behold steve schmidt late night posts on the lincoln project twitter saying uh, putting up all the screenshots of Jennifer Horn's private messages with this reporter from the 19th, um, which he was not one of the parties on the private messages. Right. And she says she didn't give them to him, and the reporter says she didn't give right. them to him. which means he's so, monitoring her Twitter, among other things I can imagine, over cocktails, I assume, <laughs> every single night. I think this guy is probably uh, does not have a, a peace in his heart. So... He's now blows their Twitter conversation up, which is highly unethical, if not illegal. Uh, yeah, George they had, Conway, yeah. right? Another dirtbag. The dirtbag Hall of Fame now is in this story. George Conway, Kellyanne's husband, then tweets out, "I think this is probably against federal law. Please stop this." <laughs> He's also a member or ex or yeah, alumni of the Lincoln Project. So then Steve Schmidt, um, he is a um, he is a German Mesher Schmidt, German Mesher Steve Schmidt, that has been uh, blown to hell by a P fifty one Mustang, and he is um, he is circling towards the ground. He is careening towards the ground. He's only got one shot at redemption, at um, at salvation, at survival. And what does that shot at survival look like, Alice? Um, it looks like a four-page statement in which he um, explains that he will be leaving the Lincoln Project and um, let's see, it runs the gamut. He he really, he just throws everything at the wall to see what sticks here in terms of redeeming himself and trying to make sure he can continue to get good gigs after this. Um, so uh, he starts with how he's actually a victim too because a camp medic at Boy Scout camp um, tried to touch him in a way that made him uncomfortable. Um, and he starts with that um, and how he told his parents and the, the Boy Scout camp decided to deal with it internally and there was never any um, any accountability. And then he goes with um, the fact that that also uh, got rid of his faith in the Catholic Church somehow. 
So he's throwing everything up against him. Um, he's trying to. What he essentially does is put out a um, a, a whole bunch of um, flack mm-hmm. to to try to disperse the incoming because he knows his goose is cooked because he's a right. dirtbag and he is several things against him. So first he goes into his faith is shaken because he was uh, somebody tried to sexually assault him. So nobody asked for this information unsolicited. Right. So it essentially mm-hmm. sends out what is essentially, it's a manifesto, which is essentially a compilation of 84 press releases talking about what a terrible life he's had in every single way. Right. So first he was molested at camp, supposedly. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say supposedly. He could have been molested at camp. I don't know. It's probably true. Who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, he was molested at camp. He lost his faith in the Catholic Church, not because really anything happened to him at the Catholic Church, but I guess because of the Boy Scout camp. Supposedly, he just needs a tie-in back to the Catholic Church. I guess so. Uh, it it hurt uh, the Catholic Church. He lost his faith. He met with Cardinal McCarrick, who was later who later turned out to be a, a, one of the baddies in the Catholic Church scandals. But at the time when he met with him, wasn't so. It's unclear how exactly this was some great betrayal. But anyway, um. He says it's 16 years since his betrayal by Cardinal McCarrick, who was not exposed until like the last couple right, of years. Right, but either way, but it's anyway. neither here nor there. I don't know why he's, Steve Schmidt is telling us this stuff, but he's <coughs> simply saying, by the way, so, I was uh, sexually assaulted. So now I've, he's- I suffer from clinical depression. Mm-hmm. I've, I've lost my faith in humanity. I've now-, tr- I've now He's um, converting to I've Judaism. I've converted to Judaism. I got uh, hit by a train. I uh, once fell into a tree shredder. Uh, my mm-hmm. uncle um, was crushed by a Barnabas Circus elephant. Essentially, he's got 84 billion different things that happened to him. And all of this stuff, he's just throwing it out there so that the news will be- Anything but the fact that this dirtbag covered up for this predator. And he talks about the Catholic Church. He is the Catholic Church. Yeah. He did the same he thing. He is Cardinal McCarrick. Yes. Right. Um, and so then he talks about how mad he is at John Weaver, how, like all the right. shame of being abused. Every, and then he, he tells gives us, us everything but the fact that he's a dirtbag, which is the point in the truth. Yeah, he tells us, I am talking about my struggle in an open way for the first time because maybe it will be the case that I can help just one person understand what I can. Oh, that's low. Until I was that almost 50 years old. When it you go to the just one fault. person. Yeah, the just that's one why he's person. sharing it now, honey. It has nothing no. to do. Nothing to do with yes. certain allegations. Uh, so we go with that. Going through all of these things now, I, I, the part about giving all of the ill-gotten gains back uh, was not in the manifesto. Him returning the blood money, we'll call it, was not in the manifesto, uh, shockingly or not shockingly. This dirtbag is simply looking to shore up his life. He has been found out. The hounds are coming. He is trying to hide the scent with every kind of bull bleep he can manage to uh, shovel uh, at the incoming uh, uh, pooches. But it is not working. This guy is done infinito, and he deserves it. This is a bad dude. All of those guys on the Lincoln Projects are bad dudes and deserve no mercy, no pity whatsoever. Him and his big Utah house and no, the, the, the soul to soul. He's looking by doing this, by writing this manifesto, he's looking to sh- uh, shift shapes one more time to gain more credibility and uh, empathy from people so that he can keep his flourishing business up and running and his lifestyle 
um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at the same plane for the rest of his days of his life. But this guy is in a tailspin, and I uh, I look forward mm-hmm. to his uh, lifestyle yeah. demise. So, and then he goes on. He apologizes to Jennifer Horn. Yesterday, I was shown correspondence between Jennifer Horn and Amanda Becker, a reporter at the 19th News. I was told it came from an anonymous source. That direct message should never have been made public. It is my job as a senior leader to accept responsibility for the tremendous misjudgment to release it. I apologize on behalf of the organization to both Jennifer Horn and Amanda Becker. I woke up this morning and realized i've been fighting for a long time it's taken a toll i'm tired oh god he's been fighting for us that's what's been wrong right he's been fighting too hard he's just worn out he made a misjudgment because he's tired because he's been saving america for too long honey so then he goes on here's we get to um another important um Thing, a piece of this puzzle here that i you know you and i didn't think of this because we're not geniuses like steve schmidt but um, he goes on to point out that <clears throat> presently the Lincoln Project board is made up of four middle-aged white men. That composition doesn't reflect our nation nor our movement. This I- is – hold on, Alice. I need a second here. I need a second here. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the the grimy vice squad level dirt and grime and fluids are getting on us. So I need a moment. <laughs> When I wake up in the morning, love. Okay. Don't. I know, Steve. I know. You know what? I look at the makeup of the board. I say to myself, you know. (laughs) This just spontaneously happened that he noticed the racial makeup of the board right now. He didn't, over the last couple years, that never occurred to him. But, you know, right now at this moment, he's finally noticed. Racial reckoning. He's also LGBT, Mm -hmm. I assume. Go ahead. Um, What does he say, Alice? Uh, the composition does not reflect our nation nor our movement. I am resigning my seat on the Lincoln Project Board to make room for the appointment of a female board member as the first step to reform and professionalize the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project was built to fight. It is my deepest hope that despite the recent internal events that have distracted from our cause, you will entrust in us to continue our fight for what the entire Lincoln Project movement believes in. Not even going to discuss the grammar there because I can't. Combating the rising tide of fascism. <laughs> and authoritarianism in this country. We are one election away from seeing the end of American democracy. This fight will go on for the rest of my life. For me, it's time to step back from the front to get healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. <laughs> yeah, not so quick, Steve, before you go to get healthy <laughs> mentally and spiritually with all that money. Um, I think law enforcement in the Internal Revenue Service may want to have a chat. Um. So it's time for him to step back from the front. Uh, let's see. What haven't we covered yet? I look forward to being on real time with Bill Maher tonight on HBO. Oh, good. <laughs> oh well. That was a pivot. <laughs> and, and here's the best thing. He's not so unhealthy that he can't still go on HBO. Yes. That's... He can still fight a little bit for that. That's a free flight in the Beverly Hilton Hotel. And he's got it. And that means a continental breakfast is on them. Uh-huh. And, and then. And then to taking some much-needed time yes, off. Yes, absolutely. Stay strong. There is much work to be done. So, oh, thank you. He's telling us. I mean, what a selfless guy. I know. What a selfless incredible. guy. So that is Steve Schmidt, who uh, did make it onto Bill Maher, as a matter of fact. This is one of the few shows that still has people from both sides of the aisle. Or- Schmidt is st- sitting next to him, looking like a guy about to be um, uh, about to be castrated. Opinions you might not agree with. Maybe it's the only show left. I mean... 
MSNBC has conservatives like you, Steve. but you're only invited to bring the part of you that is going to say something that the audience already agrees with. Would you agree with that, Steve? For sure. Well, you, you're I, not going to bring your conservative look, credentials. There. I've sat, I've sat, I've sat on a lot of TV sets where you get a break, and a lot of the reporters pick up their phone and they look at their Twitter feeds or Jennifer Horn's Twitter feeds, depending. <laughs> And the invisible mod mob polices right. what's okay to say, to stay inside the lines. And we have... You can is feel that Bill him. Maher's question, by the way? No, but he's sidling up to Bill. But Bill knows that this guy is a worthless piece of feces. A profound problem, a crisis of cowardice in this country. I agree. Everywhere oh. you look, cowardice. Now, the fact that... You have someone who incited insurrection, clear as day. Ten Republicans vote to impeach. The fact that you had somebody incite a pedophile ring uh, <laughs> right in front of you, but you wanted to make sure that you continued to feather your nest, that's not the cowardice I'm talking about. I'm talking about other cowardice. It's a crisis of cowardice, not a pack of pedophiles which worked in the office next door to me. Which is better than Okay, zero. we know about that all, all of that. Let's but, get but on everywhere, to everywhere, Bill everywhere Yelling you at Steve look. Schmidt. Cowardice. But, but, uh, okay, but isn't it also cowardice to not ever say anything on MSNBC Ooh. that you really believe, except the things that are going to make that audience go, yes, great. I, I mean, I... Bill, he's only been doing that for 12 years. Watched you and Michael Steele and Rick Wilson and Nicole Wallace for years. Yep. And you have, you are sane conservatives. I didn't agree with a lot of what you said, but I appreciated that there was a dialogue. Now, you're just somewhere where you're you're not allowed to. Well, it's you're, not. You only can confirm the one true opinion. It's there you go. Sorry, I'm texting Jerry Kelly and Phil Ellis. Um. Yeah. So I mean, Bill Maher nails it here. Obviously that. You know, Steve's whole thing is just going places and saying what people want to hear because that's his latest script. If he had been hired by the Trump campaign, he would have been going on Fox News and saying only what that uh, that audience wanted to hear and saying that the election was absolutely stolen and, you know, and should have been Trump and telling the Republicans not to convict. But I think in Steve's case, I don't think it's necessarily it doesn't even rise to the level of cowardice necessarily in the case of Steve Schmidt, because I don't know that Steve actually believes any of this stuff to start with. He's not like afraid to say what he really thinks because, you know, he he's trying to like cover up what he really thinks to get paid. He just literally is a weather vane and whichever is the direction that's going to get him paid. He goes like that's He has absolutely no internal thing pointing him in any direction at all as as is clear because if you can't if you can't take a stand when you know somebody in your organization is um you know trying to groom people uh, groom you know young teenagers like i think one of them is 15 one of the people that john weaver was trying to get to go on a date with him or whatever uh if, if you can't uh when you find out that take some kind of moral stand then then you're really not you don't have any internal principles at all as far as i can tell like if, if that if you don't if you can't stand up against that that's i mean that seems like the most obvious thing to stand up against that there is right like this isn't about like tax rates i don't know what you expect from you think him, him and like... rick wilson got together and said you know do you notice that um what's his name john you notice that john is grooming a lot of men to be his sex slaves should this be a moral uh crossroads for us yet or no or should we 
circle back until after the election. Well, especially since their whole organization is supposedly built on following some higher moral principle than just voting for Trump because he'll give you Supreme Court justices that agree with you. But yeah, but like I say, in his case, like I don't even think it's a cowardice thing. He just he's just following the money. Like he's he's not afraid of anything. He just he's just going where he's mostly he's afraid now because he's afraid he's not going to uh have any more fancy consulting positions but the truth is like the people like this uh they always come back up they these these companies are a dime a dozen like that all they do is just send out direct mail to older people like i can't i honestly like i don't even know how this stuff's a lot but you know they they start these packs and the pack these pays 90 percent of their money in salaries before before the before steve schmidt and rick wilson and the the boy groomer and the rest of them uh not the rest but before the core group mm-hmm. started this latest grift they were out destroying it just as viciously with rick wilson yeah. and steve schmidt destroying democratic candidates mm-hmm. from local candidates to state candidates to national candidates mm-hmm. destroying them destroying you've been a candidate who's lost in a race it's very painful right right and these people have been destroying across the country, mm-hmm. Democratic candidates, et cetera, forever. Right. These people, now there is a Democratic president with a Democratic attorney general and a Democratic FBI. And these guys have been making a lot of money. They've been flamboyant. They've been flashy. They've got no quarter. Nobody loves these guys. Right. Um, they've also... Um, they've also gut now it's a good scalp to have because there's a possible pedophile at the top so all this money goes from florida to utah to dc to florida etc etc every time it does that the feds you know uh, are are it's in the feds well right and there's even there's some question about some of the uh, real estate transactions that steve schmidt was doing too i've seen some rumors floating around so i don't know if anything will come of that or not but it certainly it doesn't look great his his mea culpa manifesto was not the resignation letter of a man with a clean conscience. <laughs> no. That is a man who is putting sandbags around his dwelling. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's not a good look, that's for no. sure. But I mean, I frankly like I couldn't be happier that this thing is being exposed as a scam because these packs are toxic. I'm just glad this one was taking Democrat money for once. But we saw a lot of these, and this is when these people all <clears throat> date from, is like the McCain era, mm-hmm. um, and right after, like, into the Tea Party. And they literally, I blame those groups. Like, I love the Tea Party. That was, like, my political coming of age was all the 2010, like, Tea Party stuff and Scott Brown, and it was so exciting, and, you know, Ron Paul mm-hmm. and everything. Like, it was just, like, really energetic and great. And they sucked the life out of that movement, all these, this consultant class garbage group of people who just take money take money take money and they spend 90 percent of it paying themselves and back on fundraising to go make more money you know oh, they're yeah, not, they're they're not they using were... it to get anyone no. elected or anything no they're just you know sending thousands and thousands and millions of direct mail flyers and they get some money back and then they send out more just so that they can make more money it's crazy they didn't right. do a thing and, and to once get you've got a normal uh, once you've got a repeat gig a hired gig like steve mm-hmm. schmidt has on msnbc well, then you've got something to launder messaging through. And so that clients are very excited about that. 
We got a lot of housekeeping to do before we get out of here, Alice. I want to get some of this. Uh, the impeachment is done. Uh, Trump was uh, found not guilty by the Senate. Nobody is surprised about that. It was always going to happen. The impeachment was, uh, I thought that there should be a, a real impeachment. It turned out not to be a real impeachment. It was just a big audiovisual presentation on day two. And and then the Democrats just gave up. And that was it. Uh, the Republic, They said they wanted to talk to witnesses. Republicans said, let's do witnesses. They agreed on witnesses. And the Democrats thought better of it and said, no, no, no we're not doing witnesses. We're yeah, moving on. The from Republicans would make it last till October, <laughs> right? We're not, we, yeah, and we have we're all working on huge rollouts of all these parts of the Biden plan, and we want to be able to fundraise off of that and make all sorts of money and get and show us looking cool in our committees. And they're just filthy, and nobody gives a crap about any of it. <laughs> but here's some of the highlights: uh, Rask, Jamie Raskin, uh, who uh, who gave the first, who rolled, who showed the first, um, the uh, the big ten minute clip, the video, some of which was was footage by the Antifa guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he had actually kind of, I kind of like Jamie Raskin. I mean, he's whatever, but I did like his line about Donald Trump. He said it when it was all over. He's like, oh, it is what it is. We did get Donald Trump at least to admit that he's a former president now. So that's good news. Uh, he's not asserting that somehow he's still president. <clears throat> so that's what this all meant. One of Donald Trump's lawyers, not the guy who... Um, uh, who was in awe of how awesome the Democratic presentation was <laughs> that he had to tell everybody. But uh, Michael Vanderveen uh, is an odd duck. That's fine. At one point, he was... Uh, he's a personal so- injury attorney. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, perfect. He has, like, ads one point on he's Yeah, he's got something going on. At one point, he's salty at everybody in the, in the uh, Senate for not taking him seriously. There are a lot of depositions that need to be happening. Nancy Pelosi's deposition needs to be taken. Come, uh, uh, Vice President uh, Harris's uh, deposition absolutely needs to be taken, and not by Zoom. None of these depositions should be done by Zoom. We didn't do this hearing by Zoom. These depositions should be done in person, in my office, in Philadelphia. That's where they should be done. But he meant it, by the way. So yeah, we have to go to um in in Main 123 Main Street, right next to the Planet Self Storage in Philadelphia, Unit 18C, <laughs> where Vander uh, Vanderveen's office is, and the uh, the vice president needs to show up there so he can depose her. I don't know how many civil lawyers are here, but that's the way it works, folks. When you want somebody's deposition, you send a notice of deposition, and they appear at the place where the notice says. That's civil process. I don't know why you're laughing. It is civil process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not with you, Vanderveen. But I that's don't know fine. how many lawyers are in the Senate. They're not no. experts at you never being find lawyers. One in DC. <laughs> but to his credit, at one point, after it's all over, he goes, he's exhausted, too. He's been working tirelessly like uh, Schmidt. At one point, he goes on to uh, CBS, and uh, Lana Zack is interviewing him about mm-hmm. the, whole, the how he felt the whole thing was. And he said, well, they were, the Democrats um, edited the video. Democrats did said a couple of things that were untrue, including they edited the video, which was crappy. And they did edit the video. They edited out Trump saying peacefully and mm-hmm. p- practically whatever he said. 
patriotically. Right. And so she said, oh, come on. You know, those are just a couple of small things they did. He then flew off the handle. Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the house managers, as you say, doctoring evidence. And uh, and the argument they didn't, de- uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. our viewers. They didn't deny it. Uh, to I be put it in for, front of them to three be clear times. For our viewers, what, what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. I'm, I'm, I, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen, juror in this trial. What I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to, because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay. No, not everybody, to doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully, respectfully I have not, not said it is. Question, I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is. I want turned. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. Michael Vanderveen was not done with Lana Zack there. The media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media. I'm not in front of your cameras all the time. Uh, but what right. I've been subjected Sir, I, to I, I, this I last week. I understand. Yeah. And I've given you, don't you the opportunity. You want to hear the truth. Yeah. Okay. I've given you the opportunity. I, I will remind you that what I said was that for our viewers who have not been following all of the hours of of this trial, to be clear about what you what you are speaking about, and I understand. I'm speaking that you about the house manager's upset. failure to prove their case. That's that, that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if I you'd did. like to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a, slant, a, question a slanted question, viewers, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. Just a little bit. She kind of said that. You no. said, to be fair, it was it's only fine. a check on the Twitter. Not- That's what you said. You got to live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth. Geez, which lawyer is Trump's? <laughs> by the way, you think Trump uh, was somewhat pleased with this? <laughs> oh, he loved that. The brow beating of this? I don't I'm know if he was pleased at the laughing. Trump doesn't like Michael Vanderveen. Yeah. Thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yeah. Okay. Take his mic off. I, I see you taking off you your microphone it in the now. Ground. That was President Trump's defense attorney, <laughs> Michael Vanderveen. Let's go back to his throwing the, the microphone down. Yeah. Okay. I, I... Nice. <laughs> nice report on that uh, audio <laughs> right there. So a couple uh-huh. of quick things uh, here before we go. Alice, do you have other housekeeping too? Uh, so TJ Ducklow is out. Oh, Jesus. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Oh, So uh, when we, we let you know uh, last week that uh, TJ Ducklow had been dating an Axios reporter who was covering the White House and um, she got moved. She, he let, she let her work know in November that she was dating uh, Biden's comms person, the like deputy uh 
the person under right. Jen Psaki. He's not a senior member, or else he'd have to be female. Right, because all the fe- they're all female. So, um, so she let her work know in November, and they moved her to the Kamala Harris beat instead of the Biden beat, but still uh, covering the administration, still like on their podcasts, on panels, talking about the Biden administration and everything, uh, including as recently as like the inauguration. So, and you know, obviously. They they knew about this at the time. People Magazine did a thing on it. Uh, T.J. Ducklow obviously knew. Um, so this went on, and um, uh, Politico started to write a story on it. They reached out to um, – they had their reporter, Tara uh, something. Is that her name? She reached out to um, the reporter who was dating him, and a- another male reporter reached out to him. He called back the female reporter in order to yell at her, say she just was jealous of the other reporter because somebody else effed her the, or whatever. He, you know, he's, he wanted to say that she wanted to sleep with someone that his girlfriend had slept with or something. And so she was jealous. All very healthy. He and called not her page six trash. He went yes. off on her. Um, I don't know. It's funny. You were talking about this because when this initially came out that he had like had this screaming match with her with uh, with the reporter just for writing the story. She was assigned the story. She didn't go out to start trouble with TJ Ducklow. Um, but I was like, it's weird because he seems like kind of a small guy, like not very intimidating. And you were like uh, telling me you were like, it's odd. It's like the little guys are so angry. Oh, like, totally. It's, he totally. has an anger problem. So apparently he has an anger problem. Calls and a page trash and page says sick it- trash. That they would destroy her. We'll destroy you if you go forward with this story just based on jealousy. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Okay. How so perfect. anyway, so Friday, Jen Saki had to address this, and um, they obviously they had known about this since this all happened with him yelling at the reporter in January, and the Politico told them that it happened, and nothing happened. He wasn't suspended. But then once there started to be reporting, Vanity Fair did a piece on how he screamed at this reporter and was sexist garbage person um and and then then they suspended him for a week without pay and jen Saki got some questions like was this enough everything and the, the story continued to escalate and snowball and uh then this weekend tj had to hand in his resignation from the the comms team eventually i, I made an uh with the approval of uh the chief of staff if you knew about this conversation for weeks, why wasn't TJ suspended until after the article dropped? He was here up until last night. Uh, you're right. Um, he, uh, there were conversations <laughs> that occurred uh, with uh, the reporter as well as editors at, at Politico immediately after uh, the conversation occurred. Um, that was how we engaged in a private manner. Uh, and, you know, that was, that was what we felt was appropriate at the time. How good is that? Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. It's okay. The president on inauguration day spoke to people that he was, I guess, guess swearing at his staff. And he said, I promise I will fire you on the spot, on the spot, no ifs, ands, or buts, if they speak down to or disrespect their colleagues. Now, it's not a colleague being questioned here, but isn't this sort of well short? what he pledged on inauguration day? As I've said, Josh, it doesn't meet our standard. It doesn't meet the president's standard. Um, and it and it was important that we took um, uh, a step uh, to make that clear. Uh, and that included not just an apology directly from him and apologies directly from us at the highest levels there, uh, but also a step uh, to uh, 
This is before he's fired. This is a suspension, I guess. Spend him uh, for one week without pay. Uh, and that, in our view, was a, was a, an important step to send the message that we don't find it acceptable. Was the president involved in this discussion at all? Was this, was no, I've not discussed it with the president. You it left him out of the loop <laughs> on this one. It's not the kind of information we want to pass on. Oh. oh yeah, we don't want to let him know that a member of his communication staff is going flying off the handle about the personal life of random reporters. It's that that wouldn't be something we would want him to know at all. That would it's not like that person has to represent him in any capacity or anything like that. That's not something that you would want uh to So that's fantastic. But you know, so that happens it, the media, I believe, are uh, the fifth column is being attacked by the White House already. I will destroy you. You never heard that from the Trump White House. I got to tell you that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no. I will destroy you is a threat to destroy somebody, a woman, I believe. Yeah. Imagine in- if, like, all the reporting that went on in the snarky comments about, like, uh, Steve Miller, the guy who worked mm-hmm. for Trump, and how he, you know, got engaged and married during uh, his tenure at the Trump administration and like people were really mean about it and stuff. Imagine if he had started calling up reporters and telling them he would destroy them for reporting on the relationship. It's just, it's absolutely bonkers behavior. And it also just goes you to show. Goes to show you. Goes you to show what? Goes to show you. Um, Goes to show you and our audience. Okay. um, Just that vetting of employees was not a priority mm-hmm. yeah with this yeah. this was not this is who they wanted he could act like the west wing guys so they said oh he's good enough that's mm-hmm. fine he's put his time in this is what's, what's going to happen tj ducklow will not be well is not going to be there anymore he's gone jen Psaki will not be there by the end of this year i think rochelle um Walensky will not be there at the end of this year um i think there's going to be a lot of turnover in this administration now, turnover administration is not necessarily something new, but you were told it was in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. So just so you know, in case you haven't been watching, if you're somebody on the mm-hmm. left who says, oh my God, what? Uh, this is what happens. Some people aren't ready for prime time. This twerp wasn't ready for prime, prime time, and he is a jerk. But there's also more, there are more. There are bigger things happening, and bigger things from Jen Psaki, who's really the most, uh, I've got to say, the most uh, truthful, and uh, forthright person I've ever seen at the podium. Does the administration still consider the, the Saudis and the Israelis important allies? Uh, well, uh, you know, again, I think we, uh, there are... It's a yes-no question. Important allies. Does, does Biden consider them important allies? Not a high bar. Our ongoing processes and internal interagency processes is one that we, I think, confirmed in an interagency meeting just last week to discuss a range of issues uh, in the Middle East. Um, we're, we've only been here three and a half weeks, uh, and I think I'm going to let those policy processes see themselves through before we give kind of a complete lay down of what our national security approaches will be to a range of issues. So we can't confidently tell you right now at this point, the administration, if they're allies. Well, that's great. Let me tell you one thing. Remember that liar, Kaylee McEnany? If you asked her if Israel was an important ally, Alice, what do you think she'd say? Yes. She'd see GD right they are, and this is why. All right. So where are we? Brian Stelter wants um, you listening right now. He can see you with his beady eyes <laughs> and his puffy chin. Chins. He can see you. I'm a fat. I'm allowed to say that. He can see you and a congressman, an elected congresswoman, Sarah Jacobs, they have the um, the fix 
for your um, your erratic and unacceptable behavior behavior for the last four years. What exactly would a truth commission be? Normally, that's a spit take from everybody in that building. Who said, what did he just ask? <laughs> did he just say truth commission? We don't accept even that premise in here. But no, no, it's 2021, and this fat moron and all the other progressive idiots and this stupid congressperson – uh, to them, that's certainly it's absolutely reasonable. Of course, you have to put you have to intern people for a while and put them in camps where they can concentrate on the truth for a while. It's fun. So I think part of what we're seeing now is because we haven't really done the reckoning with the racial injustice and white supremacy of our past that we need to do. And so, you know, a truth commission. A lot of people will think of South Africa. Okay, so obviously, he needs to stop the interview <laughs> and say oh, that's okay. Guys, I want you to make this split screen, one screen, that's just me. Disconnect that other idiot. I'm going to do a little commentary on this freaking moron right now who's using this some kind of race canard to throw nitrous oxide into the validity of the truth commissions. This is remarkable. And this... this bloat says nothing. Uh, we've used them in countries around the world. And basically what it is, is it's uh, communities all the way up to the national level having conversations about both the gory and the glory of our history and what happened, both throughout the history of our country and leading Fade up to and on January 6th, so that we can come to a common narrative moving forward of what we want our country to be. Do you think the House and Senate leadership have the stunt? So, Brian, wait a second. So, wait, this isn't even a truth commission about, like, how we got Trump or about the Capitol or about, like, something. This is about all of American history. We have to have a truth this commission about. This is everything. Soup to nuts. Exactly. Oh, God. Great. <laughs> and Brian processes all that. So sounds fine. Next question. Make for that? I think so. Look, we all were victims. I think so. Americans like to be interrogated and have their um, civil liberties absolutely stepped on by authorities, usually in badges, working for the government. And they like to be separated into groups based on their worth and their compliance and how strong their fealty is to the truth as we have decided that it is. People like that, generally. We like that. The Japanese, there's nothing, there's nothing more than the Japanese Americans loved more than the internment camps. To a man, they still praise him. ...of this attack, in addition to being the lawmakers of this country. And I know for a lot of us, this is very personal. We've had threats to our lives, threats to our homes and our families. And so I think that there are a lot of us who know that this impeachment trial was just the start of holding Donald Trump accountable, but that we need to make sure that we're doing accountability of anyone who incited, encouraged, or committed acts of violence. And then really looking forward at kinds of things like truth commissions, like democracy, like institution building that we know are going to be the real fixes to what we've seen in this country. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Sounds great. Of course. Happy to be here with you. Sounds good. Truth commission sounds absolutely good. There's no, that, that's not a, um, what's it, a dangerous, uh, what's a dangerous thing? Trope. Yes, that's yeah. not a, a hearkening to something that should raise any cackles any at all. Truth commission sounds absolutely good. Those have always been very important um, uh, things from the Ch communist Chinese mm -hmm. to the Russians, the Soviets. Uh, right now, yeah, those are th things that are always very uh, to keep people's um, freedom in mind and liberty. And yeah, yeah, um, that's people love that. I think one of the things we've noticed most about COVID is how Americans just love 
lots of rules and regulations and being told that what the truth is and to just shut up about it. That's something we've my, we've really we've really liked and has gone really well for uniting the country. Correct. And my only my only um, demand is that Lauren Meyer run one of the truth commissions. She mm-hmm. is a musician and a songbird who has written a um, a really wonderful piece about the very embodiment of truth that is Jen Psaki. Our government's now full of folks who are extraordinary. But I'm especially impressed by the new press secretary. She's gained a reputation for her brain in every session, as well as for the way she likes to use one pet expression. Circle back, Jen Saki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media pack. If a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Saki. You're no This hack. person does not need rehabilitation <laughs> from the Truth Commission. She's singing the praises of Jen Saki. And putting on a pedestal, spotlighting uh, Saki's insistence that she'll circle back because she doesn't have an answer. So, for don't instance, something you don't have to circle back on. She's getting better because yeah. when asked if Israel's an ally, she didn't have to circle back on that. Yeah. They're not. All right. Two more quick pieces, Alice, before we're out of here. Uh, yes, there's an update, uh, speaking of COVID vi- guidance, on um, masks. We were going to wear masks for 100 days. But like with the schools being open in 100 days, that timeline has shifted a bit. Two? Two. Uh, you have the audio of it. I oh, I don't, right I don't have the audio of it. Um, it's in the messages. You I, can just I play it straight. It. There's no ad on it. Where was it? I don't know. I don't have it. Um, it's Well, anyway, Biden says we're going to be wearing masks for the next year. Oh, good. So, so it's 400 days to <laughs> wear the masks. Right. Exactly. Just... Just a small adjustment there, um, and um, and also Swalwell uh, had some theological information to impart to us uh, this weekend after all the impeachment proceedings as well. Um, he said that McConnell was so entrenched that the Democrats could have called God herself to the witness stand, and um, and that he still wouldn't Holy have changed Jesus. his mind on oh. um, on, ah, on the impeachment, fine. so that's fine, Alice. That's so fine. everything's going really, really it's well. God herself. God herself. God, what a pos that is, man! You gotta look for. You gotta look out. Maybe Talk about a guy, that swallow is, is a guy. I'm surprised. Who's made to try to that. steal your girl. He is absolutely made to. He's three foot eight, and <laughs> I, I don't think his whole act works well. His presidential campaign was gangbusters. I gotta tell you, that was very impressive, though. Jesus. Ah, uh, okay. Everybody, breathe. <laughs> All is well, all is well. If time leaves my mic on, I can tell you that you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Um, you can find us on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email um, with your COVID experiences. You can vent your frustrations to us anytime. We can read them out to all our millions and millions of listeners that's burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com if you want to do that you can also 
follow our YouTube channel, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on YouTube. We're on there. You can like the videos. You can subscribe there or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. All that good stuff. New shirts out? Is there a new shirt out or no? Um, So we do finally, at long last, have your crazy, it's not just Beyonce's husband. There's that shirt. Um, And then in addition to that, you can also buy shirts for the Hire Festival for the very real festival for all of the very real green jobs that are on their way to somewhere near uh, where out of where coal miners live anytime now they're on the way they're coming uh, just like fire festival so which was a really great festival I saw the ads for it on Instagram it looked amazing so there were models there's all kinds of stuff so just like fire festival you can buy higher burn barrel podcast higher festival shirts so that you can get your new green job you know what it's guaranteed you know what I'm on Jerry Callahan tomorrow which is Monday morning Mm-hmm. And then you know what we'll do tomorrow? We'll circle back. We'll circle back. I love it. With the top talent, decency attracts. Truth is back, Jen Saki. Truth is back. You don't care if schmucks on Fox are talking smack. When you're on TV, I can't wait to see how you patiently don't let jerks give you any flack. Two more hogs got the fever. And humor in again. You even call on schmucks at OAN. You're on track, Jen Sock. You're on track to make press conferences an aphrodisiac. Forgive me if I gush. You're my new girl crush. I'm reduced to mush each time they say you circle back. Circle back, brought to you by Barn Barrel Podcast by the March. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.